morning, good afternoon, good evening, and welcome to the TT Podcast. We just got off a call with Bahrain victorious rider Fred Wright, who is one of the most promising young talents in the peloton right now. Tom, how did you enjoy our chat with Fred? Uh, yeah, I really enjoyed it, actually. I'm always a bit nervous when we go into these uh, interviews with riders. You know, you can feel a bit, we're not professional athletes and they are, but uh, Fred got us off to a great start by talking about Italy. And then eventually, once I, you know, got off my usual like 45 minute spiel about how much I love Italians, we talked about some cycling. Yeah, Fred, I mean, what a season he's had. Fred has had almost 70 race days this season. And any big races you can think of in your head right now, he probably raced it this season. Flanders, San Remo, Roubaix, Tour de France. Fred was there and he's only 22 years old. Tom, how does that make you feel? Just a bit jealous, to be honest, because I wish I could be doing this stuff myself, you know, but I'm obviously not good enough. Um, But at the same time, it's just so interesting to get that sort of rider's eye from inside the peloton. As you said, Fred's been in the biggest races of the year and... Watching them unfold on the TV is never the same as how they unfold for the riders and really great to hear that other side of it. So here he is, Fred Wright on the TT Podcast. I hope you enjoy. Fred, welcome to the TT Podcast. How are you? I'm, I'm all good, thanks, mate. I'm just enjoying a, a day off. I've got done my first sort of week of training after having an off my off-season, so... I saw on your, your Strava that you did about 500 kilometres of cycling last week, which is not really the sort of off-season that I would have had in mind. Well, no, no, that was that was my first week back after off-season. So that's my sort of introductory week back into back into getting into the swing of things. But I did have a very good off-season. Yeah, I went on holiday with my girlfriend, which was very nice. Did you? Where did you head off to? We went to the Amalfi Coast in Italy. It was lovely. Now, we, here we go. That's my specialist <laughs> subject. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> My girlfriend's Italian. I love that region as well. Straight down to Naples and down to yeah, the yeah, we, coast. Yeah, we stayed. We stayed for one night in Naples as well. I loved, Naples was great. I loved it. Uh, yeah, I could speak about Napoli for a long time, but yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah a bit of a strange city, but I love it as well. It's got a real edge to it. Yeah, no, I thought yeah. that. I thought that. We kind of went from like, you know, we, we obviously we went there in off tourist season, so it wasn't actually that. But we were staying in Positano, and it wasn't busy at all. And then to go from there to Naples was like to go from basically no, seeing no one to seeing just crammed streets with mopeds pacing it down in, on narrow narrow streets. <laughs> it's pretty cool. Yeah, it's absolutely mad. Um, yeah, yeah, I loved it. People would say to me, oh, don't you eat enough pasta on when you're race, going out racing? And But I just, Italian, I love Italian food, so I was very happy eating lots of nice food in Italy on holiday. It was good. No, good for you. Uh, and I think after the season you've had, you're definitely due a break. Um, let's get into your season then. Your team, Bahrain Victorious, put a lot of responsibility in you uh, this past year. How do you reflect on the past kind of 11 months? I think I'm really, I'm just really pleased that I've sort of found a place within the team. You know, like they, they really value me as a rider and what, not necessarily for getting results, but also just for the, you know, the support I can provide in, in different races. And that's kind of, you know, I can see myself progressing more with, you know, with the, what they, you know, the future that they kind of see for me, which is basically being a helper in Grand Tours and taking opportunities there and then being kind of a leader or potentially, yeah, someone that can do well at the Classics. This is interesting because, I mean, a, a lot of the coverage about you 
pitch you up as a sprinter, I guess, obviously because of your track background, but your role in the team this year was obviously Grand Tour Domestique. And then you perform well in time trials as well. So is it good to be able to find your your role and space in that team now? Yeah, definitely. You know, I, I kind of, you know, coming from that track background, I've never, I've always been quite fast, but not, not necessarily an out and out sprinter, but I kind of, you know, in, in harder races out of a out of smaller group, that's kind of where I see my, you know, my chances of getting, getting results. And, but in terms of, you know, we got, we got Phil Bauhaus. I really think he's, you know, he's a great sprinter. And I think if he, if we can, if you can, he gets the full support, he, the full lead out he needs, like some of the other top sprinters in the world, I think he could be, you know, compete with other, some of the top sprinters in the world, to be honest. So, you know, I, I can see myself sort of helping him with, helping him with lead outs and stuff, which is, which is good as well. I guess a huge milestone for you this season was your debut Tour de France. That experience, I mean, this year was a bit of a mad year for it. I mean, you had the crashes in the first week, your team, particularly with the hotel raids. And then to top that all off, you had a double yeah, ascent yeah. at Mont Ventoux. Uh, how was that experience? I um, I think Rolf, who was the DS for that for the tour, sort of said to me that like, like you're not going to have a... I don't think I'm going to have a tour like it. You know, a lot of the other guys on the team were saying as well, just because, you know, we had... This, you know, it's quite rare that as a t- you a part of a Tour de France team that does so well. Like we were, you know, winning winning stages and had the team classification. And I think, you know, I think that was obviously the GC hopes were destroyed on that third stage. But in terms of a first Tour de France, I I mean, I had every, I had everything. I had all the experiences of the police raid and everything. It was <laughs> it was great. Yeah, well, that's what yeah. I was going to say. Stressful, it's obviously stressful, actually. I absolutely love the second, the last, the second two weeks, but the first week I was a bit like, wow, this is, you know, this is why I get paid. This is why we get paid to do our job because it's quite dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> did, did you come down in that very famous crash, the Ali Opiomi one? Yeah, 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 yeah. How, yeah. how was that, that big, was that one of the biggest piles up, pile up you've ever been in? I don't know. Yeah, probably. I think it's just because it came at such an unexpected time because of the nature of how the crash was caused. I mean, it was just like one minute you're riding along and the next minute we were all just in a big pile. And I I mean, I kind of actually slowed down because I was a slight, maybe slightly further back. I kind of almost slowed down. So I would have just sort of stopped before hitting someone. But the guy, but obviously someone was behind me, didn't react in time and just sort of rugby tackled me to the floor. <laughs> but uh, I, you know, I came off pretty unscathed. I had one crash actually. You know, when G when G did his shoulder, mm-hmm. I came down in that crash, which is really annoying actually, because we were, we just moved up to the front and it it happened like tenth wheel in the bunch, and I and I just had nowhere to go, and I actually sort of hurt my shoulder a little bit. But so the next sort of few days were a little bit a little bit difficult. But so did that write yeah. off your GC hopes as well? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There was no. <laughs> No, but I, you know, I managed to claw back the uh, the ninety seventh place <laughs> in the end. <laughs> oh, well, actually, you know, after the time, I think I was just outside the top hundred before the time trial, and then I, I did a good time trial and ended up in the in ninety seventh. So, not that anyone's really watching or <laughs> don't do a sort of discredit, mate. We were all watching. But when when um, you know, when when people who don't know about cycling, obviously, they do know about the Tour de France. So the Tour de France sort of sort of transcends cycling as a sport, and I guess they'll say how did you do in the Tour de France? And you're a bit like, um, it's, it's a difficult question to answer, but I'll, you know, at least I can say that I came 97th because I remember, I'll remember that. 
<laughs> to be honest, what, what... that's exactly what I've done today. Just in terms, obviously, I've said, "Oh yeah, I was speaking to Fred Wright tonight." To people who don't know cycling, and so uh, like, you know, so they asked, like, "Is he good?" And I'm going, "Well, he rode the Tour de France," and everyone goes, yeah. Oh, "Yeah, the Tour de France." Like, yeah, they, that's they know what they, that means. There you go. Yeah, that's, <laughs> done the Tour de France. You know, yeah. So with no, with no. that final time trial, you mentioned that. Um, I think you came fifteenth on that. Was that a matter of right? I'm just going to empty the legs here. This is kind of the last competitive day in inverted commas yeah it was i mean um, marco hallam my teammate was sort of, i said to him oh yeah i'm just gonna just gonna go flat out why not and he was like oh, why would you do that <laughs> like what what you know why but i kind of knew that it was the sort of time trial that was if you're motivated for it you know you might i might and i kind of sort of had done all decent enough in time trials before so i sort of gave it a shot and yeah i was quite i was pleased with 15th i mean yeah, it was definitely empty in the empty in the tank there. No, absolutely good for you. Uh, I think a lot of the, well, I mean, the main narrative around you at this year's Tour de France was that you were the youngest rider there. That was kind of the claim to fame that people were saying for you. Um, yeah, yeah. Did that not by much though? Not by much. When um, it, when DSM announced that Mark Donovan was doing it, I had to look up his age because I was like, <laughs> oh no, I think he might roll me. But I think he's like March or April, same year as me. Well, I mean, Tade's only. <laughs> A few, I mean, well, yeah, he's only nine months older than you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, did that affect yeah. the way that you you approached the race at all? Well, I did go into it thinking that I'd be out of my depth. I think I, I sort of have a tendency to doubt doubt myself a little bit, and I I did think, oh, this is this could be, and it definitely the first week it definitely felt like another level of not necessarily effort, but but stress that I hadn't experienced before in bike racing. But actually, you know, as I got into it, I sort of felt a lot more comfortable than I thought I was going to. So, As you said, do you think a lot of that was down to your age or just, as you said earlier, that um, that first week of the tour was probably the most stressful any rider's ever seen for, for years? <laughs> well, yeah, well, no, yeah, maybe that, yeah. Because it does that, seem like you were just right, thrown yeah. straight in at the deep end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, that's the thing, like, even, you know, races like, week-long races like Tour de Suisse and Terrain that I'd done earlier in the year weren't as like the first days when they were near as stressful. You're like, you say that about Torreno. Torreno looked like an absolutely ridiculous race this year. That was that was um, race like a week of monuments. Yeah, it was actually really hard. And I think that's something that I'm, you know, need to think, need to, you know, working with my coach and stuff for next year is something that I, because I'm quite, you know, quite good at just absorbing load and like just being able to, you know, get with the team. I can just, I can still, still sort of do a job even though I'm, I'm tired or even though I'm not on peak peak form. But at the same time, it, it's important to, obviously I do want to take opportunities next year and I don't want to be too tired. So actually, you know, I did Sam Ramo straight after Torreno and Torreno was so hard. I kind of didn't quite realise how hard it was until the, the few days afterwards. And I think doing, you know, doing San Remo before the rest of the classics was a bit much. So there's definitely going to be some tweaks for next year, but it's all learning, isn't it? I've got more years to, more years to learn how my body works and stuff. Well, should we, should we jump into the classics then? Um, yeah, yeah. And I know, I think Tom's got a few questions he wants to ask you about Roubaix in particular, which was uh, a race that he hasn't stopped talking about and he didn't even compete in it. <laughs> well, oh, yeah. That was, yeah. <laughs> I've had to talk about it because the other Tom didn't watch it because he was at the London <laughs> Marathon instead. So, um, oh, no. as I say, you described it, I think, as the hardest, best and worst race you've ever done uh, all rolled into one. I've described it as the best race I've ever watched by far because when you weren't on the bike, that was just absolutely 
captivating for about five hours to watch it was complete chaos so no, and obviously was... you had a day in the break for a bit as well like just talk us through it i think it, i mean not to make it sound too dramatic but like on the bus it, it was sort of felt like we were going to going to war or something you know like the way we were talking about oh yeah you might chances are you're gonna you know with the way the you know watching the women's race and seeing how the mud was on the cobbles it looked really slippy like and almost right you know almost randomly slippy i know you see lizzie finishing with her hands just torn to pieces as well that was yeah that, yeah that can't have like, made oh, you feel good this is, what, <laughs> yeah. this is what i've got to do but um it ba- i was so i don't think i've ever been so nervous for for a bike race i used to get nervous when i was younger but i haven't sort of my first years of the pro i haven't been super super nervous before races but rubo that was a different level of like I was so scared of just of that first, you know, the first couple of sectors. But I sort of saw my opportunity and just about made it into quite a big move that went on the just on one of the on the big road before the before the first couple of sectors. And I was so happy to be in the breakaway. I was just absolutely buzzing because I was like, well, the worst place I can go get get into the first sector. You know, we had two two team two of us in the breakaway, so it's already it's good for the guys. You know that we want to potentially try and help behind, like Sonny and Mate when they and Heiner when they come across. So as soon as I was in that break, I was like, "Oh, the worst place I can be in the first couple of sectors is 28th," and I, I, I mean, I'll, I'll take that. Obviously, I wasn't going to be 28th, but you know what I mean? It's like that reassurance. Well, I mean, tactically, it obviously paid off as well because that, that was a perfect day for the team in the end. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I did, I try, I helped Sonny a little bit into Arenberg because I punched the sector before Arenberg out of the breakaway. And then, sort of try. That's that was my attempt at a, a, a contribution. And then, obviously, would have done more, but had a double puncher on our Arenberg. I mean, in like fairness, an instant, an instant double puncher. So I just crashed out, which was kind of sad. And that was my race over, basically. I was going to say, if you're helping him into Arenberg, though, that is just about the worst place you can be in any bike <laughs> race anywhere, isn't it? So that yeah. You... Well, I mean, it was already split to pieces by then, anyway. But yeah, yeah, it's iconic there. Absolutely iconic. No, it was. I think it was my favorite race of the year. Actually, that would be you know, and then obviously... the result of the coming into the finish and then realizing that we'd won as well was just like, yeah, I've not had had many experiences like that. That's for sure. Well, that was my next point. Apparently, you didn't know that you'd won because there was no radio until you actually got to the finish yourself. Yeah, obviously, I was a sort of probably must have finished like I don't know how many minutes down, but enough down that I couldn't hear the radio, or couldn't hear the shouting and stuff. And so I, you know, finished from like the group I was in and saw sort of everyone crowding around, like all of our the teammates that had finished before me had crowding around the kind of media area. And I was like, oh, okay, this is obviously looking <laughs> looking pretty good. We must have done something. <laughs> and, and then, yeah, yeah. Massive. Just the fact that Sonny won it on his first try as well. Well, the fact that the whole podium was there was people's first tries. Yeah, of course. I, I love the idea of you just like tottering into the velodrome at the end. And then seeing Sonny in his hysterics on the floor, and you'd be like, oh, "Is this a good thing or oh, a bad I think he, thing?" I think he got over his hysterics potentially, but <laughs> I'm surprised you didn't hear it from halfway down the Arenberg. <laughs> oh, the, the images from that are just—they're so good. They're so good, aren't they? they? Do they get circulated around the team quite a lot? Um, I don't know, but I don't think they do. But they should. I think they should. It should be the team photo, just his face when he's on the floor. <laughs> it's actually been a hell of a season to be a Bahrain rider this season. I mean, was it team's classification at the Tour, as you mentioned? Was it team's classification at the Vuelta as well? 
Gino taking the white jersey at the Vuelta. Yeah, the Vuelta went really well as well at the same time. So, I mean, yeah, it was kind of once it was after the Giro actually that the, the it really the momentum really started to build, and the team were just yeah on absolutely stunning form. It's been yeah, it's been great. I can't wait to you know get back with. Obviously, I'm getting back into training now, but you know, go on the first first camp, which starts not too long away now. It's like eighth of December, I think I'm off. So it'd be good to see everyone again and set up for next year to hopefully do the same, if not more. Somewhere nice and warm. Uh, yeah, I'll I'll tell you for both the December and January camp, which is just below Calpe. So should be should be good. Just move, moving on from Roubaix there, you went from the cobbles in Roubaix to the cobbles in Lincoln. Um, yes. Obviously, Roubaix, you had your mechanicals there that scuppered you a bit. Lincoln, you clearly took your good form in. You took fourth in the TT, second in the road race. You won the under-23s championship. That road race was just jaw-dropping to watch. Um, talk us through, you know, that battle that you had with Ben Swift there. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm st- I think it's the, it's the sort of, I think it's a race that I'm going to be gutted about for a long, long time. Because I kind of, you know, with how strong Ethan was going, I was in a, I basically was in a pretty perfect scenario with, because I knew that I wasn't going to be able to beat Ethan if it was us, if we were going into the climb like together or whatever. So I was in a group of, I knew that I'd be able to beat, I, I basically thought I was, I could, I could win it, but it was now Swifty managed to, we were so close, we were so neck and neck before that that left-hander but once we were coming to the left-hander I just knew that because he, he was on the inside I just I just didn't have it you know some people said to me like oh didn't he he pushed you into the barriers but by that point I was I knew that it was over I was I needed to get rounded before then and yeah there was basically a moment at the bottom of the climb where I like looked looked around and he jumped me and got in front and I think I should have just started my effort earlier basically so it's the earlier think, yeah sorry go on no, I was going to say when it, when it was the three of you earlier and obviously Swifty knew that he had Ethan in the group behind him that could potentially yeah, that, support him or anything. Yeah, so he yeah. wasn't really working. Then what you needed, and I'm not, you know, a DS or a master tactician, but what you needed then was Harry Tanfield, who has been on this podcast before, to work with you. But what Harry decided to do was he just relentlessly attacked the both of you. Yeah, yeah. That I think that... I knew Which probably well, didn't help. I, I just had to get, get how I just... You know, some people are like, oh, why didn't you make Swifty chase him down? But at the same time, it's like Swifty was doing just as much effort. In my eyes, he was doing as much effort as me to chase Harry. Like, we were both sprinting to get back onto the back of Harry. So, every time he attacked. And it's, and the thing is, as well, is I, I, like I said before, like, I knew that Ethan was coming and I knew he'd have the beating of everyone up, up the climb at the end. So, I just had to keep, you know, pressing on enough to get us to the bottom with a gap. And then, yeah. It was such a good race, though. I, I just, you know, my overall kind of take from it is being a bit gutted but no it was you know when people have talked to me about it it's made me feel more you know happy with it because it obviously it's good to watch and everything and the, yeah I mean the Michael gate is such a good such a good uh, climb to have a finish as well which is I think you touched on it there is that that race was like a perfect advert for this blossoming British scene that we have at the moment there was you there was Ethan chasing you there was Lewis Askey chasing Ethan obviously Tanfield as well. Um, I mean, all these riders that are going to be, you know, Grand Tour riders and over the next 10 years, all going at yeah, it I'm, on I'm the Lincoln Grand Prix. Yeah, I'm excited for Harry, actually. I, I, he definitely deserves, he deserves more than a, a ride at Ribble, I'd say. 
with that. He was absolutely, I was, I mean, I genuinely, I was telling him to slow down because he was pulling through so hard in the chain game. I, I was saying like, mate, you don't have to ride this hard. We have a gap with, it's like 70, get 60 gate to go. Just, just, just keep it smooth. Because he was just ripping everyone's legs off. Was there a bit of tension between you and Ethan as well? You live with Ethan Hayter, don't you? Yeah, 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 yeah. Was there not a bit of when he I've was actually, kind of chasing you down? He's um he's just coming bu- coming up from London on the train, and he said, uh, "Can anyone pick me up from Stockport at six 20? And I said, "No, I'm doing a podcast." <laughs> <laughs> we, we we've um I think I spoke with Ethan. Now, I spoke with Ethan at the tour of Britain, so uh, oh yeah, yeah, he knows the significance of uh, being on the TT podcast. Don't worry, Fred. <laughs> no, it was good actually at Nashville because we had me, him, and Matt. Who he doesn't live with us anymore, but he used to live with us. That there was that break with Swifty that was up the road, and there were a couple of times where us three we tried together to get across. So it was, to be honest, I think Ethan said to me afterwards as well. He was like, "Oh well, if you know Swifty would have won, it was my teammate, but he would have been, he wouldn't have been too disappointed if I if I had won, sort of thing." So no, it's it's just nice, isn't it? I guess kind of looking forward then, um, your calendar for next year. I imagine where well, you haven't been with the team just yet, so you might not have that. Is there one race in particular that you'd like I've to ride? I've got a rough idea, but I don't know what I can... Oh, no. I mean, if you can give us exclusive, that's great. No, no. I just think, to be honest, it's going to be pretty similar to, to last year, just with a few tweaks. That's that's the hope, anyway. As I say, is there anything that you'd particularly like to add or potentially anything that you'd um, particularly want to get rid of? I think, it's, I think with speaking to my coach, it's going to be more about getting rid and being trying to... Trying to just peak peak a bit better for the for the classics because obviously I had I had great legs in Roubaix, not so such great legs at Worlds, but anyway, so great legs at Roubaix. But obviously that was a different point, completely different point in the season. But actually, the you know with Flanders and stuff, I probably wasn't going, wasn't where I wanted to be. So I think it's going to be trying to be in trying to get that peak right and then go from there. Basically, with a similar similar to last. So do you think that would be a target for you for next season rather than kind of uh, grand tour stages? It would be monuments and classics. Yeah, because I, I mean, I, I, one of my kind of best, my favourite race as well that I did this was the that the last stage of the Benelux tour where we were going up the Mur a few times. And I had a, I had such good, I was going really well then and obviously Sonny and Mate were doing the same. So we were kind of just, you know, I've never been in it. That was also one of the best team sort of performances I've ever been a part of because and Mate said the same thing you know we were just completely in control of the race and I was yeah I had great legs on the on the Moor so I you know but that again that was in sort of August September time so if I can try and sort of replicate those legs or maybe hopefully could be going better by the in the classics then I'll be in a good in a good place uh, I, I think I mean it's I, I was reading a bit about your the, the different people you've shared rooms with over the last two seasons, over your last couple, first, over your first two seasons on the world tour, uh, if I'm not mistaken, last year yeah. was Mark Cavendish at the Belgian Classics, and this year you were with Mate Mohoric, who has had the season of his life. Um, yeah, what, yeah, yeah. what have you learned in particular from those two characters? I, I, I enjoyed being with, being with Mark. I mean, it's, yeah, he's definitely he's definitely a character, but he's really just such a nice guy. He's got a, he's got a lot of wisdom, and yeah, it was. I'm just so pleased to see him because obviously I was sharing a room with him in I was sharing a room with him in Belgium at the when the classics were in October or September October basically you know on that game over game time when he did that interview was upset and obviously it was looking like he was having to retire and stuff and 
no, I'm so pleased that he managed, you know, that quick that opportunity and he's doing so was doing so well at the top because he was in he wasn't in, a, in the best place then. So and then and then Mate is just also really it was quite inspiring to be with someone that was that won two stages and hearing him describe how he did it and the processes and his tactics. I mean, he was he's so kind of switched on and knows exactly what he needs to do in different situations to, you know, with Watts and aerodynamics and stuff. He's like, well, if, if we've been going this hard for this long and this, you know, this, he knows that he's smart with all of it, you know, the whole breakaway and that's the guy he's got to beat. It makes me sort of think that I can do, try and do similar in, in the future, that's for sure. I guess other than that, I was, I wanted to ask kind of what your standout points from this season have been. Is there anything that kind of really stays in your memory maybe things that we haven't spoken about, so maybe not the tour or Roubaix. Was there anything else that you're like, right, that was a, a great day of bike racing? The first race this season we did was the Tour of uh, Phil, Phil Bauhaus won the last stage. That was a really satisfying one because we kind of used to do, so I managed to help. There were not so many of us, you know, you know doing a lead out and, and helping him. So it was, just, it was just me and Heino at the end, but we sort of managed to help him enough and Heino did a really good job. He ended up winning the winning the stage and beating Ballerini, but that was really, to get that first, you know, to be part of the first win for the team, being called Bahrain victorious, I think it, <laughs> it was nice to be victorious. <laughs> if we didn't win any more races after that, at least we weren't, we were still victorious. <laughs> <laughs> that could have been a very embarrassing season, actually. No, exactly. I think we won enough races to, to justify the name, I reckon, this year. I've just got one final point, and this was definitely my highlight of your season, uh, Fred, which would be when Tom here also went to the peaks uh, for a week to do a little training of his own and said that one day you absolutely flew past him up one of the climbs. <laughs> Whereabouts was that? I do I love training. Yeah, I love training the peaks. It's, it's my, my training ground. Where was it? So I was staying in Whaley Bridge, which I didn't realise at the time was okay, basically yeah, yeah. in like a basin. To get anywhere from Whaley Bridge, you have to go up a number of very steep, different hills. Unless, you, was... want to, unless you want to ride on the 86, but no, no one wants to do that. No, <laughs> and it was on one of the roads coming out of Whaley Bridge. I think you just whip round a corner through the traffic lights and just straight up into the distance. And I, I just <laughs> about had enough time to realise it was a Bahrain was victorious jersey. And I was like, that's not really oh, the sort right. of jersey you get knocking around a lot in the UK. <laughs> no, it's not, is it? I checked on Strava and yeah, that's obviously your, your stomping ground is, is around Stockport and the peak. I wonder when it was. It was the end of August. Oh, I mean, now thinking about, back to, you know, I've done my first week back at training and I was, you know, thinking, wow, it's actually quite hard. <laughs> <laughs> you know you forget what form you're in for that. you know like talk, it's funny talking about all these races and I'm just thinking geez man I can't imagine like I can't imagine you know being doing Nash, doing Michael Gate 13 times or doing I'm just like wow I've got still got a bit of time a bit of graft to, to get to that point again <laughs> well I mean at that point you were on post-tour form and I was drinking too much each week so uh, there was absolutely no chance yeah. that I was going to hold your wheel I don't think well, I, I mean, I, I've been probably drinking too much each week. <laughs> I'm back to Putlin. Well, um, Fred, it's been an absolute pleasure speaking with you. Uh, it's been a pleasure watching you ride your bike this season. And uh, we hope Thank you very much. next season is just as successful for, uh, for you and the team as this one. No, I'm really looking forward to it. And I'll yeah, speak to you soon. Take care, man. 
Thank you. Good Cheers. luck, Fred. Cheers. Thanks very much.